0: Good morning, New Life, Manager Springs. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see all of you. You know this is a plate, a holy place where we gather together, set aside for the Lord. Look around at the wonderful people here—disciples. People are excited about being disciples. People are excited about making disciples. So God bless all of you. Thanks for being here today. We're going to look at a passage of scripture that is very iconic. Very famous. We're going through this sermon series, if you're not familiar with our sermon series. And I would say this might be the most iconic passage, famous passage in all of human writing. This is a sermon by one of the greatest prophets, the greatest prophet. This is a sermon by the greatest teacher. And we believe as Christians that Jesus is not just a great prophet, not just the greatest teacher, but he is God himself. And so we're looking at the words of God to us. We're com- kind of concluding uh, today and next week our sermon on the Mount. So if you will, would you turn to Matthew chapter 6? If you have a Bible, you can turn there. We're going to look at a passage in just a minute. But first, just a little bit of uh, what we're talking about Uh, this week. Next week, we'll continue this series. And then the week after will be Palm Sunday. The week after that will be Easter Sunday. The week after that will be our Baptism Sunday. So if any of you in here are thinking about baptism or if you've had conversations with some of your kids, maybe little kids that can can say they want to get baptized and could tell you what that means to them, then we would love to baptize you. So that's in a couple weeks, in the end of uh, April, we'll have signups maybe next week. And so uh, would you look in your Bibles, we're going to look at the passage where Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I'll say that again that's the title of today's message store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And so I've I've thought that sometimes these passages are kind of like Christianese, like we have these sayings, and we say them, and as a church, you know, we all kind of think we know what we're talking about, and then we go outside, and we use some of this lingo, and people are like, what in the world are you talking about? Uh, has anybody ever been, been there, you like saying, well, what are you guys talking about? It's like, well, I wonder if you could say this phrase, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, in your own words. I wrote down, in my own words, what this could mean. I wrote down first, make bank deposits for eternal things. I wrote down hoard for heaven, show restraint on earth. And then I wrote down wisely store up, not just for a rainy day, but for the final day. And so would you lean into these words? Let's look and see, let's read what Jesus actually has to say for us. This is God's sermon to humanity. Matthew chapter six, starting in verse 19, would you stand as we read these words? Jesus is going to start off saying this, and I'm going to have you repeat back. There's four commands that Jesus says to do, and I'm going to have you repeat those back. So Jesus starts off, Matthew six nineteen, do not store up. Everybody say, do not store up. Do not store up. Treasure for yourselves treasures on earth And then he says, We're moths, yuck, and vermin, yuck, and thieves can break in and steal. Verse 20, but store up. Everyone, look at your neighbor and say, Store up. Store up up for yourselves treasures in heaven where maws and vermin do not destroy. Thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, you've heard this before, there your heart is also. We're going to skip down to verse 24. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one, love the other. You'll be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. It's a Dire warning there. You cannot serve God and money. And then verse 25. It Seems like Jesus is subject changing here, but I'm gonna argue later in the sermon that this is all part of the same thing. He says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Turn to your neighbor and say, do not, do not worry. About your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and your body more than clothes? Look at the birds, Turn to your neighbor and say, look at the birds. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Yes, you are. Can you, can anyone, by worrying, at a single hour to your life? No, you cannot. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah. Thanks be to God. Christ is in our midst. Lord, we pray to you now, standing here. Looking at your word, Lord, we ask that we might know these words, they're familiar to many of us, but Lord, this morning, would you put them deep into our heart that we would live according to these words, storing up treasure in heaven. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we love you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people at New Life Manitou, shouted, Amen. Wow, you did. Good job. You may have a seat. I have a story for you. This is a modern retelling of, a, of an old story that is a short story. You might think, because it's got, let me just warn you, it's got a little dark twist at the end. And you might think, oh, that must be a retelling of like one of Edgar Allan Poe's short stories. I remember reading Edgar Allan Poe in high school. And as a Christian, you're not supposed to like Edgar Allan Poe because he's uh, he's, he's like gothic and horror and fear and strange, dark twists. Uh, Don't tell my youth pastor, shh, But in high school, I was like, I'm kind of fascinated by Edgar Allan Poe. Don't worry, not anymore. Left that behind me. Here's the story. Maybe you can guess who told this story originally and what the story is. But there was once a man. He saved up a bunch. Worked really hard. He was uh, in business, lots of different fields. Had his uh, Roth uh, IRA, 401k. He had plenty saved up investment properties. He was well diversified. He gets to retirement age and he kind of announces to his friends, families, and wife. He says, guys, just one more year. I know one more year. I'm going to keep saving. So he does that. He kind of adds more to his investments and reallocates. He feels pretty good at the end of that year. He goes, just, he tells his wife, just just one more, just one more year. I'm going to save up a little bit more. This year he spends, he thinks, well, the, the the U.S. dollar, it could collapse. Things happen. Banking systems could fail. And for goodness sakes. So he starts saving gold. He gets gold. He gets a safe, puts gold in the safe, bolts it downstairs, et cetera. And at the end of that year, looks at his wife and says, just one, just one, just one more year, gets some more gold, gets a bigger safe, takes the gold, puts it all in the bigger safe, even more gold. At the end of that year, he says, okay, really, seriously, this is the last year, but one more year. I promise this time, I've promised before, but this real, I re- promise. One more year, I just want to, you know, get some more. And this next year, he works his tail off, gets even more. He buys one of those shipping containers and digs a hole in his backyard, puts the shipping container down there, concretes it over, makes sure he has a bunker just in case there's like nuclear fall, what is it called? Nuclear fallout or something like that, some world war. And he says, you know, he's got food down there and water and all this stuff. And at the end of that year, he says, okay, I really will, I really will. I will retire. Uh, let's throw a party. Let's. I, I'm going to live comfortably. We have everything we could possibly need. We've got it all. We could eat, drink, and be merry. So he throws himself a big party, family, friends. His wife is at his side. He's eating appetizers. He's got the beanie weenies. Gets a big hot dog in his mouth. Someone says, hey, give us a speech. He stands up to give the speech. And then he starts Choking. Good guess. He starts choking. It's kind of a dark mind to have this twist in the story. But he starts choking. Have you ever been in a room when someone's choking and everyone's just like, what do we do? What do we do? And it doesn't stop. Someone runs to the front, gives them the Heimlich, doesn't work, passes out, CPR, people, uh, ambulances are called, and he passes away. Kind of a dark twist. Sorry about that, to bring you down like that. But do you know who told a parable just like that? I told the modern day. Do you know who told a parable just like that? Jesus, you're right. Jesus told a parable just like that. In the book of Luke, the parable is called the rich fool. He pretty much just says that story in ancient terms and then has this twist, this kicker at the end of that parable. He says this, Luke 12, 21, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. I have three points for you this morning in this sermon. And the first point is this. Do not. for at First, what we're not supposed to do. We are not to store up treasures on earth. And then Jesus tells us why. He says, well, because there's moths and vermin and thieves. In the ancient world, those were the things. You know, today we might be worrying about very different things. Uh, but those were the things in the ancient world. If you had great treasures, moths would get them, vermin and thieves. We don't really deal with moths. You guys deal with moths? You have like an outbreak of Miller moss every once in a while, every couple of years. Uh, there's some climates that are more conducive to moths. I was living in one of those areas in high school and I had a friend, who asked me to help his mom move. He was moving off to college. His mom was moving to another part of the town. And so we were helping move uh, their stuff and boxes. And there was one box up, tucked away, kind of hidden. And it was saran wrapped up. And me and my friend were like, what's in the box? What do you have in this particular box? And And she proudly says, well, that's my retirement. And we were like, what's in there? What is it? And he's like, well, it's a, it's a wall tapestry that my great grandma uh, had made and it's I'm gonna sell it towards the end of retirement. It's gonna pad my pension. Uh, I'm just looking forward to the day when I can sell it. And it's just a lovely tapestry. And of course, me and my friend were both like, let me see it. We want to see it. Can we see it? She's like, oh, no, no, we can't see it. And, and my friend like you know, turned, the, turned his little you know, mom card on. He's like, mom, I'm moving off to college. I've never seen it. Would you let me see it? And I was like, well, I'm helping you today. Can I see it? And she's like, all right, fine. I guess we'll pull it out of the box. But we got to do it inside. We don't want the sun to hit it and light and blah, blah, blah. So we open the saran wrap, open the box. There's like a garbage bag and another ziplock, And in this thing, she pulls it out and goes, gasps in horror and starts crying. It was worse than Swiss cheese. Moths had gotten in there and eaten it. And she was beside herself. She couldn't, she was, was like, oh my goodness. Jesus says, moths, vermin, thieves will get our treasure on this earth. And so what? where do we build our tre- treasure where do we put our treasures if if this world is not safe what's the answer where do we put our treasure heaven what is wealth really i was in a great conversation with some guys on Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday, took the day off. Have a lot of people to thank for that, Erica, for taking care of the boys. We moved our staff meeting, Daniel and Ashley, we moved our staff meeting from Wednesday to Thursday just so I could go bike riding. Go me. Good job, Joe, for taking a day off. And uh, we were on our way. We went to Canyon City for this long ride. Some new friends of mine, friends of friends, and this group of guys. And uh, it was, it's, it kind of starts off like a joke. It was me, a pastor, and two financial advisors go to Canyon. City for a bike ride. Uh, but, but, the, but there was no joke. That's where I was on Wednesday. And we were just in the car talking about wealth and what it really means to be wealthy. And one of the guys, Patrick, said, Aren't we like the wealthiest guys in the world right now? And it was just like this humble, thankful feeling that, yeah, like, you know, we don't, we don't have that much money amongst us. There's much people that have a lot more money, but here we are. On a Wednesday, getting to go bike riding, having a fellowship, having great conversation, yeah. And and we are wealthy, and we thought about because uh, those two guys are financial advisors, and they both have these caveats where they really want to 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 take the world of finance and do more to coach people through life and health and different pillars like family, emotional health, mental health, and kind of uh, all, you know, all in one place, advise people, kind of like a life coach. You start with the money, but then really look at other people's areas of life. And one of the guys, Patrick, said, did you know that the word wealth has changed meaning over time. You know that words change meaning over time? Like the American dictionary, as the Merriam-Webster dictionary is always coming out with a new dictionary. We're always adding words to the dictionary. It's kind of fun to look at new words like doom scrolling, like gender reveal party, like adulting is a new word that got added. Or sometimes words change definitions. Like in my lifetime, I used to get really mad years ago because people uh, were literally using the word literally in the wrong way? Does anybody remember like that, like that? Remember like back in the night, people were always like, we oh, literally turned the room upside down looking for his keys. I'm Like, no, no, you didn't. You did not. Stop saying that. Well, everyone was literally using literally wrong. So today, if you go to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, one of the definitions of literally is Not literally. It means an exaggeration. It's like, we've worked. No. But anyways, our our vocabulary changes and Merriam-Webster, the dictionary, try to encompass that. They try to reflect what it is that the American language really is and how people use words. And it used to be, you know, Middle English, Old English, that the word wealth meant health. It meant like in all areas, someone's family life is healthy and they have enough money and they're doing well and they have good health about them. Every part of their life is this word wealth and wealthy was meant to be all encompassing. And of course, what does it mean today? The American dictionary where we have, of course, in America, a lot of greed and a lot of spending and a lot of getting more. What does the word wealth mean? Well, it only now means money, an abundance of valuable material possessions. I just think, how sad is that that our whole culture is shifted to like the only thing about health is wealth is money. And to review here, we we do not store up treasures in heaven. There is much more. There is the eternal things that we store up for. So point number two is this. Point number two is the title of this sermon. I want to just really talk about one thing this morning, which is to store up for yourselves Treasures in heaven. This is really good for all of us in here who are savers. Anybody a saver you like to save? We can save for the things that are eternal. There's uh, like the Boy Scouts have a motto. Anybody a Boy Scout was a Boy Scout is a Boy Scout. Jeff Nold. Anybody a Girl Scout? Girl Scouts in here. Brownies, good job. Or if you were anybody, what's is the top rank in the Girl Scouts? A gold, gold star, gold something. Nobody knows. I don't know. I wasn't a Girl Scout. I do know that the highest award in Boy Scouts is Eagle Scout. Everybody knows that. Any Eagle Scouts? Me? Jeff? You were not? I thought you were. I thought we talked about this. No Eagle Scouts? I'm the only Eagle Scout in here. Well done, me. Actually, well done, my parents, Joe and Rosemary, who, like, I wanted to quit several times and they helped me through. They, they, they really tell them good job. Uh, but what's the boy? Everybody probably knows this. What's the Boy Scout motto? Be prepared. That's the Boy Scout motto. And it's a wonderful motto. And we should be prepared. We should save. We should work hard. But we shouldn't neglect the eternal things, the heavenly things. In the same way that we save and we prepare, we should store up for ourselves things of heaven. We should store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. You know, Jesus says that there's true treasure, there's true reward in the next life. And if the God of all, says there's going to be treasure, well, then it's not going to be a a tinker toy. It's going to be real treasure. I had a pastor say some wise things just to think about it. He said, you know, God spent in the book of Genesis seven days creating the heavens and the earth. And ever since the resurrection and the ascension, Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. So for 2,000 years, he's been working on the next life. And so it's just something interesting to contemplate that the treasures, the rewards are really yet to come. We can look forward to heaven. And what is this working? What, is this, what does it look like to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven? Well, it means to do the good works that are eternal. It means to work for the kingdom and the ways in which we work for the kingdom are fully in love, full of giving and caring, sowing seeds of selflessness. A good test if you're, if you're listening to this sermon and you're like, yeah, I'm storing up treasures for heaven. A good test for this would be to look at how much you give in your life. Um, and, and that being like a percentage, you know, like the Jesus sees a, a widow give a mite, like a, a couple pennies, a couple cents. And he points out that this widow gave more than anyone. And you're like, well, well, no, she did. She gave a couple pennies. Everybody else was given like hundreds of, of like, what, how, how can this be that she gave the most? Well, it's based upon what she had. It's, it's, it's more of a reflection of the heart. You can look at your bank accounts, You can look at your salary or your, uh, how much you get paid weekly or monthly. You can look at your pension, the money coming in. And then you look at, well, how much do we give? This is a good conversation for spouses. This is a great conversation uh, piece for, for thinking about with God if you are following the ways of this world or if you really are storing up treasure in the life to come I think about reflecting on <clears throat> death so we started off with this you know hot dog guy eating and choking and dying It's very dramatic sorry especially the kids that are in here It was scary you probably have nightmares tonight um, but uh, on on Thursday, or excuse me, on Wednesday, we have our student ministries. I don't know if Ty, Tyler's in here. He uh, preached a message, and he talked about when he was a kid uh, in youth group. The youth pastor brought him to a graveyard, and uh, some of you are like, "What's going on? Who's in charge here? What's what is this?" And I think, uh, well, that that that's a very dark place to be. It's a very morbid place to be, but. Contemplating that we will die and knowing that we are dust and we will return to dust, is a is a really good thing. You know, in our culture today, just the the language we use, the, the ways we deal with death, are just it's all brushed away, right? Like we just don't talk about it. We do it's it's in nice kind of uh, riddle terms that someone has passed on or moved on or uh, so on and so forth. But a real contemplation of death has always been a part of human culture. Until ours, like uh, uh, we as Americans, we really don't like to talk or think about death. I think about even in the Christian church, it used to be a traditional church. If you were going to put a church somewhere in a city, uh, the church was always connected to a graveyard or cemetery. And you would either have to walk through or walk by the cemetery to get to church. And some of you are like, geez, that's morbid. That's gross. Why would you do that? Well, it's a contemplation that, that we're all going to have our lives end. And are we? It's a reminder. Weekly, as you would go to church and walk past a cemetery, it's a reminder that are you storing up things for this earth or are you really turning your eyes heavenly? So where I want to go in this sermon so far, so point one was don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but do store up for yourselves treasures in heaven and then jesus gets into worry like he he changes the topic seemingly but it's all a part of the same sermon and he's on a progression of thought that I, if you bear with me i think it makes a lot of sense that somehow money and worry are connected if you're worried then well then maybe you're 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 you know just contemplating things on earth And you're saving more, and you're not giving because you're worried you might need that later. Worry and money are very related. Point three is this, do not worry. I almost titled it, worry don't work, is what I almost tied it. But I didn't, because I want to get a little serious here. And uh, I, I was thinking about my own life and worry I think I come across as, as not a worrier, right? So like some of you might think, oh, no, he's worried about all kinds of stuff. Uh, but I try to come across as not a worrier and um, someone who worries. But, but in my life, my own body, maybe some of you can relate, have, have, have different times, like uh, I'll get sick when I'm worried about something or I have something, uh, it's something that is very serious, but for me, it's kind of just flares up here and there. And I haven't really been that open about this or, or shared it, uh, but, but in my life, my health, I have something called ulcerative colitis, which means that for me, at least, it's been years since I've had a flare up, but I can look back. And think that one of the first times I I knew about it and went to the doctor, had pain in my stomach, was uh, around college. I started uh, working and going to college and it was a new city. It was just a stressful time, a lot of change. And my stomach started hurting. Went to the doctor and got diagnosed with that. And then throughout my life, when we had our first kid, you know, if you, all of you parents, you may, you might remember the days leading up to your first child. as a stressful, wondering like, "What's are we gonna make it? Is this kid gonna be okay?" There's a lot to worry about, and so it flared up then. And at, at other times in my life, just a few of them, like my own body has told me, "You're worrying. You're stressed. You're really anxious." And I, I might be able to say, "No, no, I'm fine. I got this." But my own body is telling me otherwise. Maybe maybe it's not your body, but friends and family have told you, "Hey." you might need to slow down a little. And you're like, no, I got this. I'm not worried about blah, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, you should listen to those voices. It's something maybe internal that maybe you're much more worried or anxious than you think. And Jesus says this. There was the last verse we read when we were all standing. It said this, Matthew 6, 27. Can any of you, by worrying, at a single hour to your life? What's the answer? No, of course not. You can't add an hour or a day to your life by worrying. In fact, what we all know, what does stress do? It actually takes away from your life. There's health things, and, and, and my own body included, like, like it's, it's not good to worry. It actually lessens the hours and days of your life by worrying. I wrote down, I saw a pastor use this quote, kind of a poem, work but don't worry, because worry don't work. Good job. Work, like we we should be working and saving and for a rainy day and being able to work hard that we could give and provide. Work, but don't worry, because worry don't work. I'll say it one more time. Work, but don't worry, because worry don't work. I think about this congregation. There's a lot of people in here who just come across is like they've—they're not worriers. They're not people who worry. I think about uh, like some of the courageous, non-worrying. I think of Ethan right here. I think of Scott, like the men who are like they—they're they're just they have a courage about them that comes across as is not worrying. I think about the Nolans. Where are they at? Nolans, there they are. I think about some of the things that they've been through in life and. If they they told you their stories, you say, well, you have plenty of reason to worry about those things. And they've come across as people of faith, not worry. I think about Jenny Sue and KJ, the things they've been through. And Jenny Sue has been very open with her story, wrote a book about her story. She has every reason to be someone who's full of fear and anxiety. And the Lord has covered that, has lifted her up. And I, I think everyone would say, yeah, she's someone who's not a worrier. Like, there's people in our lives that we see as just people that are above worry. I think of Ron Duncan sitting in the very back there. You should talk to Ron just to listen to the Ron Duncan voice. He's got a great voice. Um, <laughs> comes across as like a, a wit with wisdom, like someone who's lived life and, and just looks to the future and says, God's got this. God's under control. He, he, he knows. What we're doing and where we're going. I think of Sarah Wagle, someone who's just like looking a little while ago started a new job and was just like, "I'm going to give this over to the Lord, and I'm not going to worry. God's got this." Maybe you all know someone who is just is not a worrier. That's a wonderful thing. Jesus says just that: "Don't worry." And so, would you would you think about yourself? I'm not going to have you raise your hand. But are you someone who worries? Maybe your body tells you that you worry more than you think. Maybe you're sick more often than anybody else, and that could be worry. Maybe your friends and family are like, hey, man, you got to calm down. It's like, I am calm. It's like, well, maybe you need to stop worrying. I'm not worried. I'm not perfectly in control. It's like, well, maybe you should listen to some of those voices. Because I think we could all point to someone else who's more worried than we, right? Like everyone here is like, I know somebody who worries more than me. Like I know someone who has literally three like security systems in their house. Like not one, but one could fail. So I have another one. And there's another one just in case that was like three securities that they go into their house, like Doot, doot, doot. Doot, 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 doot. It's like, dude, like, is that, is, uh, have, has your house ever been broken into? He's like, no, but just in case, you know, there's a lot of people running around. He's like, we kind of live in the same neighborhood. Like, yeah, I think you're okay, bro. Uh, we all know someone who, that's a silly example, we all know someone who worries more than we do. But what about our own life? Or are we someone who gets worried? You know what worry looks like? Here's what worry looks like going around in circles. Like staying up late, thinking about things. You know, what am I going to do tomorrow? Oh gosh, I, I need to prepare for that. I, I need to make that phone call. And and what if they say this? Then uh, I guess I'll say that. But what if they say this? Well, maybe I, I don't know what I'll say. Or are my kids doing okay? Are they? I have four boys. Are they climbing up on that thing again? They're going to fall off and get hurt. Gosh, is the car going to break down again? And I got to fix it. And what if the kids broken this time? I got to fix that too. And Gosh, I, I, don't even have my, I don't even have my Easter sermon even outlined yet or Palm Sunday's coming up. Those are important sermons. I don't, I don't have that. This is what worry looks like, spinning around, which is kind of a dangerous sermon illustration because now I'm a little dizzy. <laughs> but what does Jesus tell us to do? He says, do not worry. And if you, some of you in here are like, that's something that, you know, you're spinning around and that's funny and all, but this is serious and your life it's very serious and I think there, there's wonderful help if, if you have friends and family who can help you through that journey. There's counseling, there's therapy, there's, there's a lot of people who have found help with medication but don't neglect the spiritual. Don't neglect the life with God because Jesus says, don't worry and then he, he kind of begins to hash this out and, and what this looks like. Jesus says at the end of this whole passage about money and and storing up treasures in heaven, do not worry, he gets to Matthew 6.33, which is an important verse for us at New Life Manitou because we've named our student ministries on Wednesday night 6.33, and they meet at literally 6.33 p.m., and it's named after a verse, Matthew 6.33, which says, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to worry and, and run around and, and wonder if there's going to be enough food or retirement funds or clothes? What are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to, here's the verse, seek first the kingdom of heaven and, and all these things, they will be added unto you. I'll say it again. The verse, Matthew six thirty three that we've named our student ministries after is seek first the kingdom of heaven and all of these things will be added unto you. So Jesus He says these things, do not worry, seek first. And the visual image he gives for us, the first visual image after he says, do not worry, he then says, look at the birds. Where do you have to look if you're going to look at the birds? Up, up in the sky. I have an assignment for you all this week. When you see a bird flying, remember Jesus' words. Remember that Jesus told us to look in the sky, look up at the birds. And he points out, the, the birds don't labor, they don't make clothes, they don't have barns to store in. They, they just fly around and the Lord takes care of them. And then he says, aren't you even more valuable than the birds? The Lord loves you. He cares for you. He wants you to look up all this spinning that, that, that we go through in this life, all this worrying. The Lord says, look up, look to the heavens, look at the birds Don't worry. Look up from the life that you're living to the birds, to what God is doing. He's taking care of them. Look up from your former life to the things of heaven. Look up from the places where we find ourselves in sin and know that God is in control and he loves us. Look up and see the cross. Look up from wherever you're at to what God is doing to heaven itself. And there we store treasures in heaven. Would you stand with me? We're gonna be led in song. The, the band can come forward. It's gonna be one more song. We're gonna read through before we sing uh, a prayer together. It's the prayer of confession going back in church history. Uh, quite a few years. It's a, it's a congregational prayer that we say and pray together. And then we're gonna be led to the table. Jordan Lewis is gonna lead us to communion But listen to these words. Pray them along with me as you say them. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name, amen.
1: Amen, thank you, Joe. If y'all don't have communion elements, there are baskets under your seats. You can grab one of them. Um, The beautiful thing about a sermon like that is that it leads us to who we can focus on and what we can focus on instead of ourselves. Because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, We don't have to worry because of who Jesus is. He is the treasure of heaven. And so as we take communion, we can remember and think about Jesus gives us everything we need to not have to worry and to not have to be concerned with the things of this earth. So when we take the bread on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. You can break that little wafer. And he said, this is my body broken for you take this and eat and do this in remembrance of me you can take the bread and then we have the cup which represents the blood of Jesus which was poured out for us his very life flow was poured out on our behalf so when we take this on the night Jesus was betrayed he also took the cup and he said this is my blood poured out as a drink offering for you Take this and remember me, you can drink.